tuning in today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for caring. Thank you for being faithful to your God and your relationship. I want to <clears throat> say when we first started texting a few years ago, a preacher friend of mine thought he would give it a try. One of his members texted him one day and said that a family member had died. And my, fast, my pastor friend thought he would reply to that text and he was brand new at this and didn't understand everything about it. In fact, he didn't even know what LOL meant. He thought it meant lots of love. So when he responded to them about the loved one that had died, he ended it with LOL. I'm not sure how that person received that, but um, my pastor friend was really embarrassed about it when he found out what LOL really meant. So I'm going to just say LOL to all of you today. Lots of love is what that means. All of you that are watching in, lots of love to you. There are many things that you could be doing. Lots of places you could, well, maybe not. Maybe not. I've kind of got you captivated today. I've, I have uh, an audience that, according to our laws, they've asked us to stay home. So I've got you where I want you. The only thing is, I can't make you turn me on. And I hope I don't make you turn me off. Before you start griping and complaining about the shelter-in-place rule, remember, we're in tornado season. And if your shelter got scattered all over Smith County, then shelter-in-place would probably have a new meaning to you if you did not get scattered. So it's really not as bad as it seems. We're shelter-in-place that means we can't get out and do what we normally do. But I'm going to tell you, I'm still happy that I have a shelter. I'm glad I have a place that I can go to. I hope each and every one of you are doing well. And I ask you to continue to protect yourselves, stay safe, and pray for those who might have it a lot worse than we do. We've sanitized all of our doors and mics, and I know you see our praise singers up here worshiping, and uh, you're worried about them, but the keyboard has been sanitized. I even rubbed down your drumsticks, uh, and you're probably the only one that's touched them. And Brother Gary cleaned all the mics and changed all the, all the screens, and when we get through, uh, we're going to do it again before you touch those. The doors have been cleansed. When you leave, just be sure to get a little hand sanitizer. And uh, I believe everything's going to be all right. And we also have the six-foot rule. I personally put tape on the floor where that they could stand on it and be six foot away. So quit worrying about our praise singers. They're going to be all right. Please use your time wisely and make time for God and your family during this crisis. I'm not too concerned with how long I teach this morning because I know when you get enough, all you got to do is turn me off and walk away. 
So if I go longer than you want me to, you be the judge and you turn me off. Thanks for standing. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, all of you guys can be seated. Thank you for standing. I want to turn your attention to Galatians 6 and 7. I'm going to read it in two versions of the Scripture. I'll start with the King James Version. And what I'm talking to you today about is the options of the harvest. The options of the harvest. Verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting, life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And then I want to read it from today's English version. Do not deceive yourselves. No one makes a fool of God. A person will reap exactly what he plants. If he plants in the field of his natural desires from it, he will gather the harvest of death. If he plants in the field of the Spirit, from the Spirit he will gather the harvest of eternal life. So let us not be tired of doing good. For if we do not give up, the time will come when we will reap the harvest. So then, as often as you have the chance, we should do good to everyone, and especially to those who belong to our family and the faith. God bless you. Everybody said praise God. Thank you. A person faces limitless options in this life. We are bombarded with choices every day of our lives. If you want to watch television, there are literally thousands of channels available if that's what you desire to do. Even when choosing a college, there's two-year colleges and four-year degrees, and you can go further and get a doctorate or a Ph.D. You can go to a technical college. You can go on campus or online. There are many colleges to choose from. How about coffee? Starbucks offers more than 80,000 80, coffee combinations. In fact, I read uh, this morning on Google, 87,000 coffee combinations. That's a lot of choices and a lot of options. How about a drink at Sonic? If you want to go to Sonic, you can order 168,894 drink possibilities from a place like Sonic. So why are you here 
listening to me preach this morning. If you joined us because you wanted to hear some great televangelists with polished charisma, you may be on the wrong website right now. You have the option this morning to turn me off and switch to the fishing or the hunting channel or the shopping channel if you desire. You have that option. You have the option to think this is just not church. I don't like church this way. I want church to be like it used to be, and I agree with you there. But there's not a lot we can do when it comes to having church. There are a few options today, and this is one of them that I thank God that we still have. And thank you for saying amen, and you can be seated again. God bless you. Right now, we can't have it like it used to be. But we can do the best that we can with the opportunities that we have before us. I thank God that I can come here today. Everybody can't be here. But I'm here and I'm enjoying myself right now. Last week, Wednesday night, I left here. I didn't stay. The dermatologist had worked on my face, and I had bandages on me. And, and Brother Kurt Green, my son-in-law, taught the lesson, preached for us uh, Wednesday night. I went home. I was sitting there listening to him, and my daughter Lori got up and started dancing around the, uh, the room and, and screaming out and praising God. And I thought, you know what? You don't have to be in church to, to have a praise event. You don't have to be with a lot of people uh, to have a move of God. In fact, I'm kind of disappointed in Brother Mike. He's always sent me a text and let me know how many we have. And somehow he's missed it today. Brother Mike, we have two, four, six, seven of us today. He always lets me know what our attendance was. And when we started having just a few, he would always send me a text and let me know. But he disappointed me today. Maybe he's not listening. Maybe he's fishing. Maybe he's off doing something else. I don't know. I'll see here before this is over. We don't have a choice as to whether the law of sowing and reaping is going to apply to our lives. Because the Bible tells us that a man will reap what he sows. You and I don't even have the choice of whether the seed that we plant is going to bear fruit or not. And we don't have the option of harvesting good fruit without first planting good seeds. The only choice that you and I have in this life is what type or what kinds of seed are we going to plant? The choices that you're making right now, today, right now in this crisis, the choices that we are making. He just texted me. Thank you, Brother Mike. He said we have seven. Uh, thank you, Brother Mike. I know you're listening now. You're, you're restored. The only choices that you and I uh, are making today are the ones that are going to make a difference or either they're going to make things worse in our life with our, in respect to our family and our marriage, 
our children and our relationship with God and with my time and my money, these all of these categories of my life will bear fruit. Either good fruit that will bring the joy uh, into my life or the bad fruit that will bring heartache and sorrow. You and I must decide today which will it be. What am I going to plant in my life? Research experts tell us that we communicate uh, only about 70, uh, about 7% with our words, 35% with our tone of voice, and 58% with our actions. So how we act and what we do with our lives is very important. Sometimes the law of sowing and reaping, although absolutely true, it will happen, is not necessarily simple in its application. For example, sometimes the good fruit doesn't look so good to us. We do our best to obey God. We pray. We read our Bible. Uh, we speak the truth. We seek peace with others and we stay faithful to our spouses and we love our kids and we love God and yet things still go wrong in our lives. Some people say, I thought that if I sowed good things, I would receive a good harvest. Well, let's look again at Paul's words in Galatians 6 and 7 in the NIV version. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. No one who sows to please the Spirit uh, from or one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What do we see that Paul is saying? Paul thought it necessary to caution us against becoming weary. And I'm here to tell you, dear church, today, and you listen to me, I know that some of you are getting weary. There is a spirit of fear that is gripping our nation today. And there is a fear that's trying to get in the hearts of every believer in the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something. Don't be afraid and don't be weary while you're doing good. You've got to trust in God and believe that he is still working out good things in your life. He spoke about reaping a harvest at the proper time. Why? Because sometimes the harvest doesn't come when we expect it to come or when we desire it to come. Sometimes the harvest takes months, 
years and even decades. You may say something to your children that you forget about, but it may stick with them years and years or even in many cases for the rest of their lives. Sometimes the harvest comes too late for us to see it. Moses died from uh, before he entered into the promised land. And sometimes we're unaware of who we've influenced. And the fruit appears when we're not around to see it. And in some cases the harvest just does not come in this life at all. Our reward is well done, thy good and faithful servant, or depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Here's another thing. Not only does the fruit sometimes appear at a time when we do not expect it, sometimes it appears in a form that we don't recognize as good fruit. We are expecting peaches, and God gives us lemons. Sometimes the result of obedience is not an improvement in our circumstances, but a strengthening of our faith and a refining of our character. God, in his wisdom, defines that as good fruit, Even though we may be looking for something else, God defines it good fruit. So what should we be doing? Just doing whatever we feel like doing and hoping for a good harvest? If you treated a garden that way, you would have nothing but weeds. We need to reflect on how we're living. We need to consider what kind of seeds we're planting. We need to work diligently to plant the right kind of seeds so we won't be disappointed at harvest time. God will not bless our bad choices and habits. And I want you to say that with me. God will not bless our bad choices and bad habits. God's not going to bless that. Don't expect to cry out to God to fix your marriage after you've spent decades of abuse and unfaithfulness and neglect. And then all of a sudden you want God to fix it. Some people actually get mad at God when they finally decide that they want to change and live for God. And they pray and they ask God, fix my marriage. And when it doesn't happen, immediately they get mad because God doesn't fix the mess that they spent decades destroying. Don't expect God to give you a new body when you have spent your life destroying your life. The one you have that God gave you, you destroy it with drugs and alcohol and cigarettes. People destroy what God gave them. Then they want God to give them new lungs, a new liver, and a new brain. 
If you do drugs for years and burn your brain out, you can expect that there is the possibility that you will be put in a nursing home for someone to take care of you. If you drink alcohol for decades, you can expect to be on a waiting list for a liver transplant that you may or may not receive. If you smoke uh, for decades, uh, you can expect eventually to have to carry an oxygen bottle with you wherever you go. And if you have no control over your eating and you refuse to exercise and refuse to control your eating habits, you can expect to be one of those riding around on an electric cart at Walmart doing your shopping. You cannot reap what you don't sow. You cannot sow bad habits and reap good character it's impossible you cannot sow jealousy and hatred and reap love and friendship you cannot sow wicked thoughts and reap a clean mind you cannot sow wrong deeds and reap a righteous life you cannot sow self-indulgence and reap a healthy body You cannot sow disloyalty and reap loyalty from other people. You cannot sow dishonesty and reap trust. You cannot sow profanity and reap clean speech. You cannot sow disrespect and reap respect. You cannot sow deception and reap confidence. You cannot sow filthiness and reap cleanness. You cannot sow indifference and reap accountability. You cannot sow laziness and reap responsibility. You cannot sow wastefulness and reap thriftiness. You cannot sow cowardice and reap courage. You cannot sow greed and reap generosity. You cannot sow unfaithfulness and reap faithfulness. You cannot sow neglect in God's house, his word and his commands and reap his benefits. A lot of people want to reap good things, but they don't want to plant good things. I'm here to tell you today, if you want a good harvest, you're going to have to plant good seeds in your life. We are going to give account before God. And I'm telling you, this is a good time for you to set back. You've got time. You're limited in where you can go and what you can do. This is a good time for all of us to do a self-analysis and look on the inside and say, come on, son. It's time for you to get right. It's time for you to get things doing right in your life. It's time for you to get close to God. It's time for you to get ready to meet God in the rapture. Galatians 5.19 tells us of the works of the flesh, and they are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, 
lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immunilations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. Some of you might even be doing these things and don't even know it because you don't know what that means. We do a lot of things in this life and we don't even know what we're doing. We don't know how to explain them. We don't know how to define it. But the Bible tells us very plainly, envy and murder and drunkenness, revelings and such like, maybe even things he didn't even mention, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in times past, Paul said, this is not the first time I've dealt with this, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So I looked at these words, the word fornication. It's a Greek word, pornea, refers to illicit sexual intercourse. It is this Greek word from which we derive the English word pornography. And our world has become rampant. I think probably, I think I read this recently that pornography is the biggest industry industry on the internet. There's more uh, money spent for pornography than anything. It's so easy and convenient for anybody that's looking for that in our society. You have that option to click on something you shouldn't be looking at with your iPhone and your iPad and your computer. You have that option and you have that opportunity to make that decision to be unfaithful to your family and God. Or you can plant good seeds and say, no, I'm not going to get into that. And so we look at another word, uncleanness. This makes reference to moral uncleanness in thought, word, and deed. I personally think it ought to go a little further and say body cleanliness too. I'm not the guy that wrote that commercial I used all, and don't you wish everybody did, but I sure agree with it. And uh, I believe that everybody ought to take a bath. In fact, I was pastoring somewhere one time. I won't tell you where. You might might know who I'm talking about. You may be kin to them. But I was pastoring somewhere, and the old boy didn't take a bath, and he always got in front of the air-conditioned vent. And every time he'd raise up his hands and start worshiping God, uh, the odor was overwhelming. One of the hardest things I had to do, but you know, pastors have to do things we don't want to do. I called him in my office and I said, son, you're going to have to take a bath. You get out there and start worshiping. You stink up the whole church. And he didn't like it, got mad. His brother come down there and wanted to whoop me at the church. And my brother and my men, my usher said, you better back off. They said, that pastor will work your motor over. We tried to throw him in the swimming pool one day, and there was about six or eight of us, and we couldn't do it. They said, you better back off. And he listened to them. He's, he got scared. He stayed away from me. Thank you, Jesus. Then there's the word lasciviousness. It's the act of lawless insolence and wanton comprise. It speaks of one who acknowledges no restraints on their life. The word witchcraft comes from the Greek word for which 
word speaks in general of the use of drugs. This is the same word from which we derive the English word pharmacy. However, the word is used in the New Testament to also make reference to witchcraft and sorcery or magic arts. Variance refers to contention, strife, fighting, discord. The word emulation speaks of jealousy. Strife is uh, from a Greek word which means self-seeking, self, selfishness, and fictitious. The word sedition and heresies are kindred terms. They suggest division, revolt, a contrary position. Reveling simply refers to unrestrained indulgence in any activity, whether drunken, carousing, or illicit sexual activity. Paul then tags what he had just said with these words. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Pentecostals, I want to tell you, we are blessed to have the presence of God in our services and our fingertips. It doesn't matter if you're in church or home, you can feel the presence of God if you want to. We are privileged to have the ability to go before God and ask Him forgiveness, and immediately God forgives us. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to be careful that we don't take God's forgiveness for granted. We need to make sure that we get grounded in Him and we don't have to spend our life every other day going to Him and repenting because we have no discipline in our life. It's time to get strong. It's time to be grown. It's time to act like we really love God and pay the price and live for Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength the word translated do actually means to practice Paul is not talking about an act of sin but a habit of sin there are some principles given to believers in this text and I want to give you a few of them this morning. Again, I don't know how long I'm preaching. I'm not worried about it because when you get enough, you're going to turn me off and you guys can walk out if you want to. Nobody will see you. They basically got me on the screen and they won't even see you walk out. But I will not be too long. Brother Gary, don't get nervous back there. God, number one, God knows what you sow. The idea found here is simply don't fool yourself about what you're sowing because God is not fooled. God knows what we're sowing. God knows what you're sowing because he knows everything. He knows the kind of life we're living. He sees us every day of our lives. He sees our activities. He sees what we say and he hears it and he knows what's going on in our mind. He can do something the devil wish he could do. God knows what's in your thoughts and the devil would love to have that ability, but he doesn't. He's the prince of the air, and he only knows what you allow him to know. And your thoughts are spoken, or your actions show the devil what he wants to see. 
Once the seed is sown, it is settled what you will receive. There are two possibilities. Sowing seed, good seed, will bear good harvest. Sowing bad seed will bring a corrupt or bad harvest. That's kind of deep, isn't it? <laughs> That's so deep, anybody can understand it. If you do wrong, expect to get wrong results. If you do right, expect to get right results. Paul and his idea here is to remind the Galatians of their options. You can get what you want or you can get what you do not want in the harvest. Paul was saying that whatever you sow, whether it is physical, natural, or spiritual, will come forward and be shown in the harvest. So in order to be blessed, you must sow the things that are good. If you sow sin, you will reap unspiritual, sinful children and families. If you sow sin, you will raise little sinners in your home with no knowledge or opportunity to serve God. And don't blame God for your problems and your failures when you see your family falling apart. A lot of people want to, and I've said this many times, they want only God to be a 911 God, to show up and help me when I'm in need. God wants to be a lot more than that. He wants to be your first priority of your life. The third principle is if you sow, you will reap a harvest. The idea here is that whatever you sow will come back to you at some point in your life. If you sow nothing, you will reap nothing at your harvest. Paul is saying, do not be weary in well-doing. He said, don't stop sowing because you don't understand the harvest or the times of the harvest. Do not get discouraged and down about the increase. Live a life of consistency and faithfulness. Sowing and God will see to it that you reap a harvest in the proper time. For the Bible says, for in due season you shall reap. There is a time for sowing and a time for reaping. And you will enjoy the fruits of your labors in the proper time. You may get tired and weary and despondent, but keep on sowing. Keep on doing the work of God. Keep on doing good. Keep on blessing people. Keep on praying. Keep on worshiping. Keep on fasting. Keep on reading your book. It's going to make a difference in the end time. Knowing that God will bring your harvest to pass ought to make all of us want to have a good harvest. You cannot get a harvest until the seed is planted in the ground. 
You cannot get a harvest until the seed is cultivated. You cannot get a harvest until the seed is ripe. You cannot get a harvest if there are no laborers to bring it in. And you cannot get a harvest until the fruit is actually harvested. But be sure that you will always get a harvest in due season if you'll be faithful and hang in there and keep believing even though you may not see like you think it ought to be. Just keep believing anyhow. And number four, the attitudes of people concerning reaping their harvest. The immature want it today. The desperate want it anyway but the faithful want it someday, the right day. The mature want it the right way and on the right day. If we faint not, the indication here is that there are some rules for sowing and reaping that we must follow. There's the rule of faith. If I sow, it will grow. As the rule of faithfulness, if I sow consistently and wait patiently, I will reap what I sow. There's the rule of feigning. I cannot give up or tire out or become upset with the timing of God's plan for my harvest. And then there's the rule of fruit bearing. Fruit is natural. If the branch is connected to the vine... Therefore, I know my harvest is coming if I stay connected. It's not a time to get weary in well-doing. It's not a time to get out of the church. It's not a time to stop praying and get weary and get discouraged. It's not a time to back away from God. It is a time to draw nigh to God. It is a time to get more excited about God than you've ever been. Folks, I'm telling you, you've heard it all your life. We're living in the last days. I think we need to wake up and realize we are there. We're in the last days. It's time to get connected to God and be in his perfect will. If you sow things that are evil or wrong or bad, then you will keep the same things coming to you in the harvest I'm convinced that many people are blind to what they're sowing. Their, their eyes are closed. They don't know what they're doing. They're deceived. They're going through the motions, but they're not attempting to sow according to God's principles. And when you start sowing out of the will of God, get ready for trouble. When you start sowing things of the flesh, Get ready for trouble. You're going to have trouble. Then they get angry at God and others and even themselves for all the bad luck, the gloom, despair, and agony. We need to place our trust and our confidence in God. He can help you produce a good harvest. It's by His power and grace and not just because of our effort that we get good fruit. But when we do good and God puts his blessings on it. 
I said, when we do our best, God will show up and he'll do what we cannot do. And he'll take little and bless it greatly. And now is the time when we're confined, when we're uncertain, when we are not sure about our jobs and the, uh, the food situation. It's time to draw close to God because I've never seen his righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. We've got to hang on to that. We've got to trust that. We're going to get a good harvest for our faithfulness. We're going to get a good harvest for being there and giving God our lives, our best. He's going to bless us for it. You may have endured the consequences of your sin. You may have to pay back or pay for some things that you've done. You may need to accept the fact that you're going to be reaping some bad fruits in your life. Maybe you're experiencing that right now. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're suffering the consequences of your past actions right now. And I'm not talking about, about the coronavirus. I'm talking about your condition spiritually, mentally, emotionally. The important thing to realize is that there is a higher law that supersedes the law of sowing and reaping. And that's the law of love and the law of grace. That's the promise of forgiveness and eternal life to all who will place their faith in Jesus Christ. In Christ, the punishment of our sins is removed and our guilt is completely erased. We are no longer under God's condemnation. Our sins will not bear the fruit of God's wrath and anger at judgment. The day that you get in the church, you may not be able to clear up everything in your past. And I've known some instances where people got in the church and got the Holy Ghost and their, their trials came up a year or so later and they went and had to actually serve time after they got in the kingdom of God. And they have to pay to society. But with God, when you get born again of water and of spirit, when you ask for forgiveness and you get that experience, your sins are forgiven and washed away and God won't ever call you to be accountable for them again. It's done. It's taken care of according to Him and you'll be free. This is a very encouraging message. If you plant the right things in your life, you will reap a good harvest because you have options of your harvest. Right now, while you're sitting in your home and you're listening to this message from Pastor Gandhi, you have the options whether to draw closer to God or get aggravated and start complaining and griping. 
finding faults and seeing everything that's wrong, everything that uh, is, is not right in your life, and you can become a griper and a complainer. Or you can start thanking God for what you do have. Thanking God for the little church that we are getting. Thanking God for His faithfulness and showing up for you in these times. I'm here to tell you that God does love us. You say it doesn't feel like it. Love is not always about feeling. Love so many times is more than just a feeling. Love is a commitment. Sometimes you love when you don't feel much. You love when things may not be going just right. You love when you can't see how things are going to get better. But you still love anyway. And that's what God's doing with us today. He's loving every one of us. And you need to love him, and you need to love your family, and you need to love your friends. You need to love our freedoms that we have. You say, I don't have much freedoms today. Oh, yes, we do. We're still free. You can make a choice today to plant good seed or bad seed. But just remember this one thing. Whatever we plant is what we're going to receive in the harvest I want my seed to be good I want my harvest to be right I want the spirit of the Lord to deal with every one of us all of you that are sitting home today and listening those of you that may not even be a member of our church but you just clicked on our our web page and, and you out of curiosity maybe you started listening to every backslider that's ever been in the church. Let me tell you something today. God still loves you. He still cares about you. He's still wanting you to return home. He still wants you to feel His presence. You say, I don't deserve it. You may be right. You may be right. You may have hurt God. You may have hurt yourself and other people. And you really don't deserve it. But God still extends grace and mercy. And He's looking for you to come home. He's looking down the road. That story about the prodigal son was for a reason. God wanted us to know that we can go out there and mess up our lives. But He still loves us and He still wants us to come home. And you can come home at any moment. So whatever you do, whatever choices you make, whatever options you take, remember this. You're going to reap a harvest from it. Make sure that you make the right choices and you plant the right crops in your life if you want good results. Would you bow your heads and let's pray right now. God, I'm praying for every person that's listening to this podcast right now that you would minister to their hearts God that you would speak to their soul that you would help them not to be discouraged help them Lord not to be weary and well doing help them not to be overcome with fear but help them to step up to the plate God and say alright Lord I'm yours I surrender to you Lord I give you my all
You're number one in my life. I want you on my throne, God. And I pray that you would start dealing with souls right now all over this city and everywhere they may be listening today that you would help them to fall to their knees and repent and recognize you again afresh and anew and fall in love with you again and start drawing close to you and getting ready for the coming of the Lord. The kingdom of God is so close. It's time for us to have a good harvest. Y'all sing it.